0: Hello. You have discovered The Felon File. FelonFile.com is a podcast exploration and discussion of law enforcement, history, issues, and incidents in the Appalachian Mountains and elsewhere. Felon File is hosted by Scott Lunsford, retired police detective, sergeant, author and researcher. The Shade of Blue Stories for Felon File Today. The Taco Bell Strangler of the 1990s. Background Music Hard-boiled hosted by Purple Planet. Scott, you're online.
1: Greetings and welcome back to Felon File. As Victoria said, and again thank you Victoria for starting us out and running the control board for us. We are an exploration of incidents, court cases, crimes, punishment, the strange, the weird, things that I find of interest and things I hope you as our listeners find of interest. So welcome back and we do appreciate you tuning in again or downloading us and listening to us again. If you have any questions about this podcast or any of the podcasts that are in the in the queue that we have going, and we've got over 100 of them so far, some of them are better than most, some of them are more interesting than most, some of the technical aspects of them are better than most, better than some. Our Shade of Blue story for today, we're talking about the media really likes name calling. I guess it sells papers and advertising space but I really don't think it helps the victims much uh, cute special names can tend to glorify the murder and their their activities uh, that brings us to the topic of 55 year old Henry Lois Wallace who the media called the Taco Bell Strangler now he was accused of killing 10 women in the Charlotte North Carolina area and at least one other victim female victim in a different jurisdiction was born in Barnwell South Carolina been there myself he was raised by his mother Lottie Mae Wallace and mom had had been married at one time to a school teacher Henry's father who took off on mom when he found out that she was pregnant and up and disappeared. Henry grew up with having a single mom taking care of him and an older sister. A mother who out of necessity worked long hours at a textile mill locally there in Barnwell, South Carolina. You can look at the court records for Henry and it mentions the fact that it was brought up that his mother was a very harsh disciplinarian. Constantly criticizing her son for any mistakes that he made, holding him to a very high expectations. At one point, it was noted that she frequently used corporal punishment on the child and his sister. But when she came home and found that she needed to exercise corporal punishment on the children, a lot of times because she was so tired, she would farm it out. If Henry needed to be, uh, quote, whipped, she would have the older sister do it, and vice versa. If the older sister had done something that deserved corporal punishment, Henry would administrate it at his mother's uh, direction. Kind of a weird situation. Henry Wallace graduated from Barnwell High School, where he was elected to student council. He was a cheerleader, uh, athletic. After high school he got a job as a disc jockey for a Barnwell radio station. Unfortunately his radio career was a bit on the short-lived side. He was fired after he was caught stealing CDs from the station. Now he did attend one semester of college at South Carolina State and later another semester at a local technical college. College did not seem to be his forte. So Wallace joined the U.S. Naval Reserve, and it looked like he did very well in the Navy. Um, perhaps he should have gone full-time sooner. Who's to say? Armchair quarterbacking, hindsight, you know, is always better than reality. In 1985, he married a girl by the name of Maretta. He also took on the role as stepfather to his new wife's younger daughter. In 1992, Wallace was honorably discharged from the United States Navy. Not long after he was married and while he was in the Navy, according to Wallace, he began using drugs, mostly crack cocaine. The cost of recreational drugs or drugs that you feel are a necessity can be quite expensive. So in order to get money to support his drug habit, his crack habit, he started breaking and entering into homes and businesses as a new career. At that point they were living in Washington State and he ended up being arrested for several burglaries in and around the Seattle metro area. In January of 1988, one arrest in particular he was arrested for breaking and entering into a hardware store. He pled guilty at the trial to second-degree burglary and was given two years of supervised probation due to the his military record at the time as well They tried to be somewhat lenient on him according to probation statements at court later uh, it was stated that he failed to show up many times on his probation for specific appointments he had to keep in order for drug testing and just checking in with his counselor and probation officer. Wallace ended up moving right back to the East Coast, back to the hometown of Barnwell, South Carolina, a little bit later after that. In 1991, Wallace broke into his old high school and the radio station where he once worked. He stole video and recording equipment from both of them and was caught when he attempted to pawn them. Schools are really not a good place to steal from. They're notorious for keeping serial numbers and good records on equipment, and the bean counters like to keep those uh, documents in case, quote, something happens. Anyway, now on March 8th of 1990, Wallace ended up murdering a Tashanda Bethay. He then dumped her body in a lake in his hometown in Barnwell. It was not until weeks later that her body ended up being discovered. Now, Wallace was questioned about her disappearance and the, and the recovery of her body. But a positive link or evidence connection could not be made to her and he wasn't charged with her murder. He was also questioned later in connection with the attempted rape of a 16-year-old girl, also from Barnwell, South Carolina, and again he wasn't charged with that. Now with all the things going on in his life, his marriage was actually falling apart, and that and the fact he ended up being fired from a good job he had at the Sandoz Chemical Company where he worked. Looking for a change and a new start, he ended up moving to Charlotte, North Carolina where he found jobs at several fast food chain restaurants in the East Charlotte area. Now in May of nineteen ninety two, he picked up Sharon Nance, a convicted drug dealer and known prostitute. When he refused to pay for services render, Nance got very angry with him, which triggered Wallace and he ended up beating her to death. He then left the body by some railroad tracks where it took several days before she was found the next month June 1992 he ended up raping and strangled the front of his current girlfriend the victim Caroline love doing so at the victims apartment disposing of the body in the woods Wallace after he had killed her ended up helping her sister file a missing person report with the police and it would be almost two years uh, March 1994 before her body would actually be discovered and identified where he had placed her in the woods by this time Wallace was a manager of one of the Charlotte North Carolina Taco Bell restaurants in February of 1993 after talking one of his employees into some sort of relationship, Wallace ended up strangling a Shayna Hawk at her home after first having sexual intercourse with her. He later ended up going to her funeral as her boss. Hawk's mother Dee Sumter and her godmother Judy Williams would later start the organization Mothers of Murdered Offspring a Charlotte-based support group for parents of murder children a very fine organization on June 22nd four months later Wallace ended up raping and strangling another employee a Audrey Spain in June of 1993 her body was found two days later Two months later, Wallace scraped and strangled a Velocina Jumper. Jumper was a friend of his sister's. At this particular crime scene, Wallace ended up attempting to destroy the body and any evidence by burning it at the crime scene. Once more, Wallace taking his sister with him when he went to Jumper's funeral. A month later, September 1993, things are happening a little faster now. He went to the apartment of a Michelle Stinson for a visit. Stinson was a college student and a single mother of two sons. They had met at the Taco Bell where Wallace had been managing. He ended up raping her and then sometime later strangled and later stabbed her in front of her oldest son five months later February 1995 Wallace ended up being arrested for shoplifting no link had been made that connected him with the murders yet that same month that he was picked up for shoplifting Wallace ended up strangling a Vanessa Littlemack who worked for him at Taco Bell killing her in her apartment the victim had two daughters by the age of seven and four months. The next month, in March, Wallace ended up robbing and killing a Betty Jean Bacombe. She and Wallace's girlfriend at the time worked together. Not learning from his previous arrests, he ended up pawning several of the items that he stole from her apartment, as well as taking her car ended up leaving that at a department store parking lot later. Wallace went back to the same apartment complex several days later knowing that a man named Woods would not be at home. He'd be at work. And he went there with the intention of murdering Woods' girlfriend, Brandy June Henderson. Wallace raped Henderson while she held her baby. He then strangled her then later strangling her son or attempting to. The young boy did survive his assault by Wallace. Wallace stole several items from the apartment and then left. Now this is even with increased police patrol in the East Charlotte area after two of the bodies were found at the lake apartment complex. Even though the extra patrols were put out there and officers were stopping and talking to more people, Wallace was able to get through and ended up robbing and strangling a Debbie, a Deborah and Slaughter. Slaughter ended up being another co-worker of his girlfriend and apparently that's how he met her. Now upping his rage, Wallace also stabbed her some 38 times in the stomach and chest now eventually the connection between the victims and Wallace would be made detectives ended up bringing him in and after a 12-hour interview and interrogation he ended up confessing to the murders of 10 women in Charlotte and also confessed to another murder committed before moving to Charlotte Wallace gave very detailed descriptions of each killing with details of what the women wore, the locations of the crime scenes, how he raped them, how he robbed them and killed each of the women, and his crack habit. On March 13, 1994, he was formally charged with nine of the murders. Charlotte Police Chief Dennis Nowicki, who I had the pleasure of meeting at a meeting once, Said he had not been aware of a killer linked to multiple crimes until early March of 1994, when three young black women were murdered all within four days of each other. Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department apologized to its residents of Charlotte for not spotting this link uh, among the murders sooner. However, they said the murder case is varied enough to throw them off of Wallace's trail somewhat and it was finally Wallace's increase in his pace and frequency of murdering in the early weeks of March 1994 that police were able to link them together the deaths originally had been sporadic and not that significantly similar It was only in this week of March 9, 1994, that Charlotte Police made the statement warning the people in East Charlotte that there was a serial killer on the loose. At the same time, the Charlotte Police Department had requested assistance from the FBI. But the FBI, sometimes referred to as the, quote, first bunch of idiots by many local cops and investigators, They said that the murders were not linked and not the work of a serial killer. Study that for a second. Of course, apologies to my nephew who works for the FBI. During the next two years, Wallace's trial was delayed over changes of venue, uh, arguments over DNA evidence and its admissibility, and jury selection and anything that you could possibly think of. Uh, his trial did end up beginning in September of 1996 six years after his first murder. Prosecutor Marsha Godnow argued for the death penalty which of course defense attorney Isabel Day uh, disagreed with and asked for a life sentence arguing that Wallace suffered from mental illness and that the killings were not first-degree murder because they did not result from premeditation and deliberation and didn't meet the requirements of the North Carolina law for capital punishment. Now, psychologist Faye Salton testified during the sentencing phase and during the trial, That Wallace had been a constant victim of physical and mental abuse from his mother since birth, and that he had suffered from mental illnesses at the time of the killing. Sultan argued for a life sentence without parole instead of the death penalty. The state of North Carolina countered this. His actions to the law were heatedly contested by the prosecution. Uh, The state presented testimony by one Sadie McKnight who had lived with the defendant for two years until shortly before he was arrested. She testified that she had not observed anything unusual about the defendant and had not known him to experience hallucinations. The state also presented evidence showing that Wallace had held numerous jobs involving management skills and responsibilities during the time the crimes were committed. He had also maintained a relationship with his girlfriend and other women during this time which did not involve any type of abuse. In other words, he didn't kill all the women he knew. The state's final card to put on the table was showing that Wallace was able to carry out nine local premeditated, calculated, and vicious murders while carefully avoiding detection. On January 7, 1997, seven years after his first murder that we know of, Wallace was found guilty of nine homicides. On January 29, after further deliberation, he was sentenced to nine death sentences now to be fair I can't interview Wallace but I do have a copy of the statement Wallace made to his victims family that Wallace made to the families of his victims quote none of these women none of your daughters mothers sisters or family members in any way deserved what they got. They did nothing to me that warranted their death." Now, the news media always wanting a good story. There were several articles run that showed on June fifth, 1998, Wallace ended up marrying the former prison nurse that he had met at Central Prison in a ceremony that occurred next to the execution chamber where he was sentenced to die on a very romantic location one of his public defenders acted as photographer and witness for the ceremony that was also attended by the warden and the supervisor over the death row section of central prison Wallace has appealed his death sentences, of course, which is his right and which automatically happens in death penalty cases in most states. His attorney stating that his confessions were coerced and his constitutional rights were violated. and They refer, of course, to the 12-hour interview and interrogation that Wallace went through the North Carolina Supreme Court upheld the death sentences in 2000, 10 years ago. The US Supreme Court in 2001 denied his appeal. In 2005 Superior Court Judge Charles Lamb rejected Wallace's latest appeal to overturn his convictions and his nine death sentences. Now while Wallace is sitting on death row for the convictions of nine charges of of murder. He is also looking at other charges, not that it makes that much of a difference. He has also been convicted of robbery with a dangerous weapon for receiving 40 years, first-degree rape, maximum of life in prison, assault on a child two years robbery with a dangerous weapon uh, the offense date 3-9-1994 of 40 years first-degree rape 3-9-1994 of 1994, a life in prison term robbery with a dangerous weapon offense date of 3-8-94 of 40 years First-degree rape, life in prison, robbery with a dangerous weapon, February of 1994, 40 years. First-degree rape, February of 94, a life in prison. Sexual offense, first-degree, life in prison, September of 1993 is the offense date. Another first-degree rape, September 93 life in prison sexual offense first degree 1993 life in prison second-degree rape August of 93 life in prison robbery with a dangerous weapon June of 93 40 years first-degree rape June of 93 life in prison second-degree sex offense February of 93 40 years second degree sexual offense from also from February of 93 40 years a second-degree rape from February 93 40 years first-degree rape from 1992 life in prison and then nine charges of murder in the first degree with the death penalty. And as of May 2021 Henry L. Wallace North Carolina Department of Correction offender number 0422350 is still in Central Prison awaiting his time on death row. While he has been serving time He's picked up numerous offenses there in prison as well, according to the Department of Corrections. 97 fighting 2000 unauthorized funds Uh, 2002 fighting again 2003 assault on a person with a weapon again in 2003. Well, the same offense: weapon possession barter and trade and loaning money against the rules, misuse of medicine in 2006, and illegal clothing and linens and sheets in 2010. That's a curious offense. I'm sure there's more to it than than that. It is listed as an infraction violation for him. That's our of Blue story for this Saturday. Now, if you have comments or opposing viewpoints or information you'd like to share or possibly ideas for research for another podcast in the future, don't hesitate to drop us a line. Uh, email at felonfile at gmail.com and of course you can reach us through our websites as Victoria said felonfile.com and uh, Author.com. We'd like to hear from you we've been touching base with some with some listeners in Canada that have pointed me into some interesting directions and we're going to do a little research and see if we can pull some Shade of Blue stories out of out of their suggestions so please drop us a line we love to hear from you in the meantime in the coming weeks don't forget be safe and be secure if you have the opportunity Don't forget, try to do something nice for somebody. It's really the right thing to do, and if more people did it, the world would be a better place, and we wouldn't have as much of a problem in the world as what we got now, or at least I hope so. We'll come back next Saturday. We'll talk to you all then. Victoria, go ahead and close us out. Bye, y'all.
0: You have been listening to The Felon File Podcast with your host, Scott Lunsford. For more information on this podcast or Scott's books and writings go to scottlunsfordauthor.com and felonfile.com. Scott can also be contacted at these web pages. This is Victoria your producer. Thank you for listening. 2 1 end I almost forgot if you would like to support the Felon File podcast please go to buymeacoffee.com backslash felon file. Here you can buy Scott a cup of coffee or help purchase some of the research material and expenses that it takes to do felon file. That's buymeacoffee.com backslash felon file. Once more thank you for listening.